Well, we are in week three of our series, Unstoppable Force. And for those of you that might be new or here for the first time, my name is Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, and we are talking about Jesus' intention for what the church is supposed to be. See, the church was really inspired and founded by Jesus over 2,000 years ago um, after his death and resurrection, um, which we're celebrating, you know, starting on Palm Sunday. But this three-week series, week one, was titled A Leader with No Backup Plan. And basically what we talked about was how, how um, Jesus, the leader of our faith, put his trust in the church to be his messenger to the world. That was his plan. His plan A to bring the gospel to the world was the church. That's our job. And so we talked about that week one. And there's no other plan that Jesus had to reach the world other than the church. It's God's plan A to reach the world. There's no plan B. There's no backup plan. So I was a leader with no backup plan. Last week, the title was Pastors Shouldn't Lead Churches. And you're going, wait, aren't you a pastor? Um, actually, believe it or not, when you look at spiritual gifts, I don't have a pastor gift, okay? And what we talked about is that God has given each person, when they accept him and start living their life for him, he gives them spiritual gifts, which are kind of latent in, an, in an, each and every one of us. From when you were born, kind of woven in your DNA, to when you accept Jesus, it's like hooking a 220-volt power cable up to your life, and suddenly these spiritual gifts kind of get activated and start showing up in your life. And so we talked about pastors shouldn't lead churches because churches should be led by people with leadership gifts, because pastors are shepherding gifts. And I, unfortunately for you, when it comes to pastoring and shepherding, it's really low in my gift mix. So um, we, the beautiful thing is we have some pastors around here that have that gift. It's at the top of their list, and they are some of the most caring, wonderful people. Now, I care about you, and I love you, right? I do, but not like people with the spiritual gift of, of pastoring have. It's really amazing to see them love the church and love people that are far from God. So we said pastors shouldn't lead churches. If you missed either one of those messages, you can go listen to them or watch them online, kensingtonorlando.org. But last week after the service, um, so many of you went online and did a spiritual gifts inventory to start seeing how God has wired you up. I want to give you that email, that website address again, because I know more of you want to know what has God put in you that he wants to use to build his church and to build his kingdom. And so if you go to this website, kensingtonorlando.org, our new website, slash resources, you can go online and take a spiritual gift assessment that will kind of pop up two or three of the top gifts that God might have put in you. And you kind of, there's a way to kind of verify and validate that. But um, it's a way to start using the unique way God wired you to serve him. And so I want to encourage you to do that over the uh, you know, next couple of days. Uh, and just find out how God's wired you up. Now, getting to today, the last week of this series, is uh, the title is God Didn't Invite You to Church. That is not, that's the title, God Didn't Invite You to Church. And I want to talk about church for a little bit. And I want to ask you guys, um, uh, how many of you went to church as a kid? Just raise your hand. How many of you went to church as a kid? Good. A lot of us went to church as a kid. A majority of, of us went to church as a kid. Do you remember what you felt like when you went to church as a kid on into your teenage years? Um, and would you be willing to raise your hand when I get to how you felt? Were any of you, if you remember when you were going to church as a younger person, were any of you intimidated going to church? It was just an intimidating prospect, okay? Uh, I was, when I was really young, we went to a Catholic church, and I was totally intimidated by the priests, and I was also intimidated of all the pictures of Jesus everywhere because it felt like he was staring at me everywhere I went. Um, and so it was a little creepy as a kid growing up in the Catholic church. Um, how many of you kind of going along those lines 
would you say when you were young and you were going to church that it was kind of a scary place? Anybody, for you, it was just kind of scary? Yeah, a few of you. It was just like you didn't like going because you felt uncomfortable there. How many of you, church was growing up for you incredibly boring? Just boring. <laughs> You're like, me, me. That's, that's it. That's the word. Um, uh, how many of you didn't go to church at all? Like just some of you didn't grow. There's a very few people that did, don't have some type of church experience. And so I'll just tell you, for me, growing up, the, one of the number one things I remember church being um, was just incredibly boring, right? Um, now, when they bribed you with candy or gifts or something, that was not boring as a kid. But everything else about church was boring. We went to every kind of church you could think of. Um, I, I made a list. We went to Catholic Church, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal, Baptist, Southern Baptist, First, Second, Third Baptist, Presbyterian, First, Second Presbyterian, and Christian churches. We kind of hit them all up when I was growing up. And all of them, in my memory, they have, they have a church building smell. Anybody remember that? It's kind of like a cross between like old people smell, if that's a thing, and like mothballs. I don't know if old people smell is a thing, but I just remember as a kid, it, they, these churches would have the same smell. Everywhere I went, I'm like, what is wrong with these places? And I didn't like being there. They were a little weird. And the interesting thing about church growing up for me also was church was always different than home. Like church was, uh, God was at this building called church. And what I found with my family growing up is we were always very different at church than we were at home. Uh, my stepdad was very, very different at church than he was at home. And like we would get to church and it didn't matter how vitriolic what was going on in the car. Because you know on the church two times it would be like whack, 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 whack. Don't make me pull this car around. I'm going to stop. And if I get a hold of you, you're going to be sorry. And then we would get to church and like we would literally open the doors and unicorn corns would fly out with rainbows following them. And we were like happy family. We did that weekly. It didn't matter what happened before when those doors opened. We had to be a certain way. Why? Because God was at this building called the church. We dressed different to go to church. Um, we were supposed to whisper and use our inside voices in church. We couldn't be loud. And so so church for me growing up was this place we acted differently. We talked differently. We, we dressed differently um, because the church is where the where God was. Well, here's what's interesting about the title of today, that God didn't invite you to church. It's really getting at this idea um, that you and I have a mentality that comes along with church buildings and churches that I don't believe was God's original intention for the church. And so what I want to do is I want to do something that I'm, I'm usually not nervous when I get up here, but I'm a little nervous about what I'm about to do because it's not in my um, skill set. But I'm going to attempt to draw on this easel, okay? Um, I'm going to draw stuff because I want to illustrate to you something that's happened with the church um, where we just don't quite see it, I believe, the way God intended. And so uh, we kind of start the story way back in the day um, where you have God who sent his son to the earth. Okay, how am I doing? You guys see that? Like, is that good? I'm going to try and draw big for the people in the back row. But God sent his son to earth. And he was actually, Jesus was actually God in the flesh. He was fully God, fully man. We call this the vertical incarnation of God. And what incarnation means, it's a big fancy church word that just means in the flesh. That's what it means, God incarnate, God in the flesh, Jesus came to church. Well, the problem is, is that we did something with God coming to earth in the form of a man, fully God, fully man. We took God and we put him in a box. And what we began to say early in the church, not 
too long into the church's history is we began to say, hey, if you want to find God and you want to know where God is, you, you got to come to this place called the church. And this is where God is. We put him in a box. And we said, and somehow, like, we've gotten in our culture to where you drive by a church and somehow you just look at the church and go, well, that's where God is. And that's where God's people are. And if I want to know what God's up to, I have to show up at the church to know what's happening because this is where God's stuff happens, okay? And that's kind of what we have done with the church. That's how many of us see the church. It's this place you go to and God is there. Well, here is what's really interesting with this. There's a problem with this uh, which shows up when you realize that we're not doing a very good job of getting people in here because there's a whole lot of people out here. And uh, so I'm going to draw some people here, and I'm going to see how I do here. I did okay, so there you go. That's a, a girl, and here's a boy. And I'm going to draw some people that are outside the church, and uh, we'll just go there. The problem with the, kind of this way of thinking of the church and God being here is that there's all these people outside the church, and, and they don't, they're not really good enough to be in here. Because what we've typically said is, hey, to be in here, you've got to be a certain way. So these people outside the church necessarily aren't welcome in there because, see, Outside the church, these people got problems, right? Because, like, some of these people, like, like they, they smoke, right? And, and they don't just smoke cigarettes. They're, like, smoking stuff, right? And so they do that. And it's like, well, if you're going to be smoking stuff, um, you can't come in here because it's good people in here. And we have other people here. And let's see if I can do this. Um, let's see. There are people with anger issues, okay? Those are horns, not antenna. That's not a Martian. Um, those are actually horns. Just we, some people have anger issues. And we're like, hey, if you got anger issues, you, you can't be in the church. And then we've got other people. Um, here we have people that, that just doubt God and you know it's like people that doubt God you can't be in the church where God is because you doubt that he even exists and we have other people here and you know what they just do a little bit too much drinking in fact they kind of get sloshed on the weekends and they can't really even show up at church on Sunday because their breath smells and they can't really walk straight right so we're just like well you can't be in the church why because we all know what's in the church right and here's what's in the church you find inside the church you find people and they have have something very specific about them that's different than everyone else. Inside the church, everyone has these little things called halos that they wear, right? Because everyone in the church is perfect. And I'll just say, you don't have any issues, right? Like you got no issues. Who in the church has issues? I mean, I don't have issues. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, right? Who has issues if you're a pastor? Just like you don't. What happens is because we've said here is where God is and people outside don't feel good enough to come in and be with the perfect people, people outside the church just think, well, you got to be perfect to go to church. You got to have all this stuff sorted out. In fact, we have propagated that in many ways because we say we feel like the goal is is to get people to come to church and we say, "Hey, you need to come to church, but you got to stop smoking stuff to come to church, okay? You got to get rid of that and then you can come to church." And hey, you over here, I know you got you know, anger issues, you go to counseling, and when you get that sorted out, you come to church, and we say the same thing up here. You have doubts about God. How dare you doubt? How could you doubt God? Look around you. Look at what he made. When you figure that out, here's a couple of books you can read. Then I want you to come to church where God is, and then we say, oh, man, you drink too much. Okay, don't drink on Saturday night. You can drink the other six days a week if you're a good Baptist, and you're fine. So you just come in here, and I say that because I was a Baptist, right? So that's Southern Baptist, man. That's like really getting there. So, so you kind of go here and you go, our whole model has been, hey, we want you to come to church because that's where God is after you have sorted out all the stuff in your life that makes it so that you're not like the people in the church. How do you think this has been working for the church the last 2,000 years? 
really poorly, hasn't it? In fact, it doesn't work. And if you look at the statistics, see, you would think, and I remember when we were moving here nine, ten years ago, people say, well, you're moving to the Bible Belt. Well, guess what? This isn't the Bible Belt. It's really fascinating when you look at the statistics for Florida. Out of 50 states, we rank number 32 in church attendance. We're in the bottom half as far as people that are in church on a Sunday morning. And when you get into the, just our state, 32% of people say that they actually go to church on a semi-regular basis. 20% say they rarely go, Christmas, Easter only people, our CEOs that will be here in a couple weeks. And then 48% say they never go, never think about going, aren't interested in going. So let's just kind of keep narrowing that down. In central Florida, in Orange County, let's just take our county. 1.3 million people live in Orange County. With those statistics, what that means is there are 672,000 people on a Sunday morning that will never go to church and not interested. If you break it down just to Winter Garden, Windermere, um, Ocoee, Gotha, and a little bit of Dr. Phillips, if you take like a seven, eight-mile circumference around where we're at right now, you find that 174,000 people live within that circle. And this morning, there are 118,000 people that aren't in church. There are 84,000 of those 118 that will never go to church and aren't interested in going to church. And so you look at this and you go, man, if this is what the church is supposed to do and this is how the church is supposed to be set up and this is what God intended, we're not being very effective, are we? So when you start looking at how God views the church, you see that he sees it very different. See, that God sent his son to earth, a vertical incarnation, to the church. But from God's vantage point, the church isn't a building. The church is actually people. And the church is people that aren't perfect. Because I don't know about you, but I am so imperfect, it's laughable at times. At how imperfect I am and how broken I can be. You find that the church is actually people that don't have it all together. You see, this person here, um, this person here, uh, they have no expression because you know what they struggle with? They struggle with depression. And so they have a real hard time being happy and having their whole life together. And they're asking God for help. And they come to church because they want to connect with God on a regular basis because this depression stuff that they're dealing with, they need help with it. So they're here to, to help connect with God and connect with other people who might love them. And you see, see this, this, this young lady here, she actually is super happy because she's found the joy of the Lord. And no matter what circumstance, she's plugged in to, 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 to Jesus. And she's actually able to have a joy no matter what's going wrong in her life. And then you have this other person and we'll just make them um, we'll make them asleep because I'm really boring that day and they're sleeping through church because they're just there to like make their wife or their husband happy and then uh, and then, and then you know you, you've got this person here and they're struggling with marital issues and this person with financial issues and what you realize is that God's intention for the church is not that it is full of perfect people it's that it's full of people that are messed up and broken that love him with all of their heart And feel welcome and loved every time they step in the church. This is God's intention. Yet you still have all of these people out here 
that are outside the church. You've got 118,000 people this morning that are within eight miles of here that are your neighbors and my neighbors, and they are not in church. They're sleeping in. They're taking a break. They're, they're, they're doing whatever they do, not realizing that God loves them and God has a plan for them and a purpose and a mission for them. And they've, they've got these gifts that if they ever were to plug them into Jesus Christ and accept him, that these gifts would be powered up and they would experience the fulfillment that only comes when you are using the gifts that you've been given for the purposes of God. It's an eternal fulfillment that will last for eternity. They don't even realize any of this is even true and real. And they're not going to come to the church because they're not perfect enough when really the reality of God's intention is that the church is full of people that aren't perfect but just love Jesus and are working on becoming more like him. Everybody's in a different place on their journey, but what is the mission of the church? What's the mission that we're on? Is it to get people to come to church? No. Our mission is to go and be the church. See, what's really cool about the people that are in here, Jesus said right before he left earth, he said, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending my Holy Spirit. When my Holy Spirit comes, he will bring power with him and he will dwell inside of you. You will have the power of God inside of you as a follower. And so inside of each one of these believers is, is the power of God, the Holy Spirit. So that every time you and I go out to this unbelieving world with all the issues that are found outside of the church that are actually inside the church as well, when we go, what happens? The church goes with us because we're the church. The church isn't a building. The church isn't a place. The church isn't where God resides. Scripture's so clear. God's here if you're a follower. That means when you're at your workplace and you're going to any one of these people and you show up and you start talking to them, that's church. Because you're taking the church to them. And so I want to take that vertical incarnation here. The vertical incarnation of God. God in the flesh coming to earth. Vertical incarnation. You know what this is? What you and I are called to do is to be the horizontal incarnation of God. You are to be Jesus with skin on to the world. You're to, you're to be his hands. You're to be his feet. You're, the, you're to be the horizontal incarnation of God everywhere you go. And Jesus said it this way, and I mean, this is so crystal clear. He said it to his disciples. He's saying it to you it, and me in John 20, 21. He says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. So I'm sending you. Did you get that? As the Father sent me, as the vertical incarnation of God, God in the flesh. So I am sending you. If you are a Christian in this room, you have the spirit of the living God inside of you. And every time you show up, the church shows up. The church is not this place you bring people to. Although we still want to invite people here, God never intended for you to attend church and sit where you sit and not go outside of these walls and be the church. That was not his intention, was to get you to check the attendance box. That's not what he's interested in at all. He's actually interested in you being him or people. The church should be viewed as God being lived out in community. 
Now, does that mean we shouldn't invite people here? Absolutely not, because here is where we invite people after we've talked to them and they get to, get to hear the story of God, we bring them here so that they can meet other people who believe the same thing. We actually invite people for Easter. It's like you, you need to do that. Why? Because you may be the spark that gets somebody interested in the things that God is interested in. So we still want to be inviting, but this is not the goal. The goal is not to get people here. The goal is for us to go out there into the world and reach people. So the question is, and what I want to spend the rest of our time on is, how do we do that? How do we live out the horizontal incarnation of God? How do we be Jesus with skin on? How do we be his hands? How do we be his feet? How do we practice this? And you find it in John 1.14. I've got a little bit of homework for you. But John 1.14, there's a passage here that says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Now, we're going to break that down because there's three ways you and I are supposed to live out the, the horizontal incarnation of God. First off, you have this really weird thing um, in the very first part of this passage where it says the word became flesh. Now, in scripture, Jesus is referred to as the word. That's your homework, okay? I want you to go home. I want you to read John 1, 1 through 15, where it describes what that even means. So if you will do that, I'm telling you, you'll be blessed, and this will make a whole lot more sense to you, but I'm not going to dwell on it right now. But if we're going to be Jesus with skin on, how do we go out and do that? The first thing we need to do is we simply serve. Jesus came here to serve us. The word became flesh. He gave up his power. He left the comfort. Now just think about this for a second. Jesus left the comfort and the power and the beauty of sitting at the right hand of God. He gave that up to come here to this dirty, sinful planet full of people that didn't even care he showed up. He took on the powerlessness of a baby, not even able to wipe himself, can't even clean up. This, this infinite, limitless God, what did he do? He took on limits. He took on edges. He accepted powerlessness, leaving heaven to come here. To do what? To be killed by his own creation. Why? To redeem it? To redeem us? Suffering the humility of being killed on the cross. And I'm just telling you, you should be really glad I'm not Jesus, okay? Because if I were Jesus, you know how I would have showed up? Well, I would have showed up and, and the whole world would have known I was there. The whole world would have seen. I'd, been, I'd have made lightning happen everywhere. I'd have had a billion fiery chariots I'd go around the world about ten times so everybody knew I was coming. I'd wave at everybody as I went by. I'd flex my muscles and then I would land and say, there you go. God is here. That's what I would do. I'm sure that's what you would do, something like that. Nobody would go, you know what, I'm just going to show up on, under the radar. In fact, most people aren't even going to know I'm here and I'm going to be among people. You find Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Otherwise, he would have shown up like I would have show, shown up if I was Jesus. But he came to serve and to give his life up as a ransom for many. And then what does Jesus say to you and me? Just as the Father sent me to serve, I send you to the world. And I'll just tell you what. What you find is when you start doing this, there is a power in serving. There is something supernatural that happens when you serve people because of the love of Jesus in your life. And I'll just tell you, um, I was a youth pastor for 15 years working with high school students um, before we, we, we came here. 
And one of the highlights of being a youth pastor for 15 years was we would take about 100, 110 kids from the Detroit area, suburb of Detroit, and we would go down to Beaufort, North Carolina every summer for a week, and we would help people rebuild their homes from, from hurricane damage. And I will just tell you why it was so powerful and impacting. Some of the best memories I have of youth ministry It's because what only happens when you are literally living out, serving people in the name of Jesus Christ. And I will just tell you, we would show up and we would hit about 10 to 15 homes in, the ma- in a matter of a week. And I'm telling you, there is nothing like a bunch of high school kids when they get motivated to do something. And we would, one of my specialties was roofing. I loved roofing. We could literally go, and I could do this with a dozen high school girls one year. We could literally take entire tear off of a roof and re-roof a house in about two and a half days with all girls that have never used power tools before and we didn't use power tools. We wouldn't even use them because I wanted everybody hammering nails in and I'll just tell you over the years, if you want your shingles put on well by high school students, have girls do it because boys are like the rows will go like this all over the place because they're like squirrel, squirrel, oh my gosh. The girls are like, we're going to get this perfect. They're so detail oriented. But we would show up and we would just serve the crud out of people. Like they would not even know what hit them. We would show up with a van full and boom, boom, boom. Their house is, 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 is turned around, sometimes living that way for years with roofs that had leaks in them and, and houses that were falling apart. And here's the most impactful thing of every single time. It was at the end because what we did at every house is we would all grab hands with the owner and with their family. And we would pray for them. And high school kids would pray for them. I would be the last one to pray. And we would just open it up. And I'm telling you, 100%, I lost count of how many times this happened. Because typically I was standing next to the owner. And so all of a sudden my arm would start shaking like this. And I'd look over and they, you'd just hear weeping. Just weeping the whole time we were praying. Most of them couldn't talk afterwards. We just hugged them, took pictures of them. Because when you and I are the horizontal incarnation of Jesus Christ on this earth, it is life-changing. There is supernatural power in it. When you serve in the name of Jesus Christ, you go outside of the four walls of this place and you give your life away. Because you are living sent like Jesus was sent to us. So what's the action step? Who can you serve? Who can you serve in your neighborhood, in your workplace? Who can you go be Jesus to and just serve them for no reason other than the fact that they're there and there's a need? And I'll tell you what, these, these Easter baskets, you can adopt a family that can't afford to put an Easter meal on their table. You can go and purchase it and drop it off at their house Easter week. And it is just a really simple way to say Jesus loves you and I'm going to serve you and give this to you because he loves me. You can do that there. This next week, I'll tell you the other thing that's really cool is this next week, you know, we still do that with student ministries. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, our middle school and high school ministry are actually in Tildenville. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, fixing up an elderly couple's home that can't do it on their own. And they're taking their spring break and they are paying to go and work for three days to bless somebody. Why? Because they're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. 
And I'll just tell you, if you're in high school or middle school and you've got nothing going on next week or you're a parent of one and you want to force them to do labor for Jesus, which I highly uh, say yes, do that, um, you can still sign up for that. You can go online, kenzietinorlando.org slash students, and you can sign up to serve for three days. And then what we do is three days of hard labor. And then the fourth day, we take them to the beach on Thursday. So that's what we're doing um, this week. But I just can't encourage you enough because of the life change that happens, not only for the people being served, but for the ones doing the serving. So what do we do if we want to be the horizontal incarnation of God? The first thing we do is we just serve. Why? Because God says, I love the world, and he loves us, and so we love the world as well. Now, the second thing that we do, um, which I'm hoping you'll never forget this, because this will probably be the only time you ever hear me tell you to do this in church, ever, okay? I'm strictly, I'm doing this, because you might be a little offended at this. I'm doing this just for remembrance value, okay? That's the value here is I want you to remember this. The first thing is serve. The second thing we do is we shack up with people that don't know Jesus, okay? We shack up and you're going, wait a minute, that is not a good word, that's not a good term. I know what that means. Okay, I don't mean it that way, okay? I'm just telling you, I'm not telling you to go shack up as our culture says. What I am saying is that when you get to the second part of this verse in scripture, what does it say that Jesus did? He made his dwelling among us. He came and lived with us. And you need to know, I'm not saying, hey, when you, when you get married, I'm just going to tell you. If you ask me for advice, I'm going to say, don't live together before you get married, okay? Don't shack up because you're going to marry this person. Because, And I'll just say, just straight statistics. I don't even need to talk about God. Straight statistics. When people live together before they get married, do you realize that the divorce rate goes up into the 70s? When the divorce rate in our culture is 50%? Now, if you're a follower of Jesus and you do it God's way, do you realize inside the church of people that love Jesus, the divorce rate goes down to 23%? Okay, that is an aside. That is like freebie. I didn't even mean to say that. There you go. You can pass that on. But what I mean is, is I'm saying Jesus came here. He lived among us. He said, you know what? I don't want to be up here and them to know me from afar. I need to go be among them. It's called tabernacle. The word tabernacle means he dwelt among us. He, he tabernacled with us. Tabernacle was a tent in the Old Testament. Jesus saw the need and he pursued proximity to us. He said, I got to go be with them. I need to show them who I am so they can get to know the real me. See, there's a tendency that we have oftentimes that once we become a Christian, we just want to be around Christian people. We want to do things with Christian people only. We don't want to be around people that are far from God when really if you look at Jesus and he says, I'm, you know, you're sent just like God sent me. God sent Jesus to an unbelieving world. We are sent out to the unbelieving world. You are to live sent on mission. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Meaning this, you can be the church at your kid's baseball game. You can be the church to the person in the cubicle next to you. You can be the church at a bar. You can be the church to the person down the street that's struggling, to the person down the street that's moving in or moving out. Through your willingness to serve and be in relationship with people far from God, you can actually take the church to people like Jesus brought God incarnate to us. And so I want to show you a video of a guy named George De La News.
owns a Harley dealership in Clinton Township, Michigan. It is actually um, on land that our Clinton Township uh, uh, campus of Kensington in Michigan owns. And I want to tell you, Chris Zarbaugh, who was here three weeks ago, he approached this guy and basically asked him to give Kensington some of his land that his dealership was on. And I want you to hear about that story. And what I want you to hear through it is George's heart for impacting others. And you need to know George does not go to Kensington. But he is a Christ follower, a follower of Jesus. And as you hear his story, I want you to listen for the horizontal incarnation of God showing up and what he has to say. Now, while we do that, we're going to receive our offering. So ushers, go ahead and come down. Um, and this is for those of you that call Kensington home. This is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. For those of you um, uh, that are new here, you're here for the first few times, let the basset go by. We are just thrilled that you are here. And while we do that, I want you to hear from George. Boys, David, how you doing? My favorite thing about Wolverine Harley Davidson is the people I interact with on a daily basis. My customers, my employees, their family, they've made this store and me the success that, that we are today. Danny. How you doing, buddy? How's it going? Good, good. Anything I can help you with? Okay. Oh, I think we're, we got it covered. Okay, awesome. Have a great day, Matthew. Harley Davidson, it's a legend, it's an American icon. It's one of the most recognizable logos in business. It's a giving company. It really, really encourages dealers to take care of their community, to embrace generosity and engage in, in activities to, to help the community. That's why we're excited to partner with Kensington Church. Well, the, the, my first interaction with Kensington was at uh, one of my biggest charity events. You know, there's thousands of people here. There's uh, five, six, seven hundred motorcycles that, that depart from here. It's, uh, it's for veterans. And during uh, this very busy time, this gentleman approaches me from the crowd and he introduced me as the pastor of the upcoming Kensington Church. He took 10 minutes of my time to express their need and their mission. And he informed us that you guys needed some of our property to successfully finish your driveway that leads, it's a quarter mile that goes back to your church. My partner very graciously had said, yeah, absolutely, give it to them. And we love the fact that we did it. And ever since, it's just been magical. I've received more support from, from, from the church than, than that piece of property is worth. ideas, trying to figure out things to do to maximize what we could do for the church. I agreed to donate a motorcycle for a giveaway, a beautiful 2017 Softail Deluxe. It's one of my favorites. It's six-speed. It's fully, fully loaded. Just a, an absolutely gorgeous bike. 
that motorcycle will raise funds, for example, buy chairs, okay, buy chairs for the church, and hopefully in, in one of those chairs, one young person will sit, and it will not only change their life, but probably change the life of friends and maybe even their whole family tree. In my opinion, one of the most important things we can do is support our, our church, support their encouragement. You can go into church anytime you want. It's free of charge, okay? I know Kensington will give you free coffee. They'll give you free literature. They'll love you, okay? Whether you have a dime or whether you don't. So how does a really successful businessman make such a bad business decision of giving his stuff away? I think that's why we're successful. I think that's what I've worked for all these years, to be a success, to be able to give back, to be able to help others. I mean, that's what I've worked for all my life. That gives me more pleasure than anything else, to be able to do something and help somebody. I've been trying to figure out a way. They're raffling that thing off. I'm trying to work out a way to get in that raffle somehow, man. That bike is awesome. But I'll tell you, there's a reason that that Harley Davidson is the top Harley Davidson in the world. Did you see that? Most successful Harley Davidson in the world. There's a reason that. It's because George is the church, even when he's not at church. Did you happen to catch that when he walked in and saw one of his workers? What's the first thing he asked him? Hey, how can I help you today? What do you need? What's he doing serving? He has some of the roughest people walking into Harley-Davidson, and you know who, what he does? He's the church. Just loves them, serves them, takes care of them, whatever they need. And his workers and those people feel loved. Why? Because they're rubbing up against the horizontal incarnation of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We serve people. We shack up with non-believers, and you know what I mean. And then there's one more way we live this out. We speak. We speak. Jesus was sent here to not just show us who God is. He was here to tell us what the kingdom of God was like. He spoke. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. At some point, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to talk about your faith. But notice the order that I laid out for you. What do you do first? You serve people. What do you do second? You become, you get in a relationship with them, authentic relationship with them. And then what do you do? Then you speak. Then when they ask you, why are you so nice to me? Why do you care about other people? Why are you involved in that place called the church? Then you speak. And that's when you invite. Because it's important to be connected to a church. It's important to be around other people and hear the word of God taught and praise and worship him and, and have a place to bring people once they start asking questions. But you've got to speak at the, end of the at the end of the day. And you might think, man, sounds like you're kind of anti-church. I am not anti-church. I just think one of the big problems with the church is that we're so exclusive because we're all about the insiders that we're not inclusive enough. Yet Jesus came for all people, so we are to be for all people. I want, I want, you, you got way more, you got one hour here, right? 
You can attend church for one hour. God didn't invite you to attend church. He invited you to be the church. You're here one hour. The rest of the week, there's a whole lot more church to be done outside of these walls than inside of these walls. But I got to tell you, um, one of the things that I'm excited about kind of giving you some feedback on, um, and uh, Tina, you can go ahead and send the band. We can go ahead and have the band come out because I'm going to be real quick with this last part. Um, I'm really excited because, you know, when you bring people to church and when you get to that part where you speak and you actually say the name Jesus, like some of you, you're afraid of that name. You need to be bold and say, I love Jesus. Jesus changed my life. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Have you ever said that to somebody out loud? You want people to ask you questions? Say that. Look, what do you mean by that? And you can have a conversation. But what, what's really fascinating is what do, you, what do you find when you get here? You find a p- group of people that are broken, that aren't perfect, that love God and love other people. And I, I want to give you a little bit of, uh, of, of just update on some great news for us as a community of believers. A couple years ago, we, we launched a campaign called the Everyone Campaign. Because you know our, our, uh, our, our mission statement is to see everyone transformed and mobilized. And two years ago... We ran a finance campaign where we were asking you to give over and above your tithing so that we could begin to have a permanent footprint in this area, a place where you can kind of find us the other six days of the week so that after you serve somebody and you build relationship with them and you invite them, what are you inviting them to? Well, it's Sunday mornings, but we really don't have another place to do much stuff at. And so you guys stepped up and have been giving for the last two years. And I just want to tell you, on Wednesday, we are breaking ground on a 4,000-square-foot facility in the tri City Center right behind Four Rivers on 50 and Diller Street, hoping to, hoping to open it up in June. And I'm just telling you, you guys have done that. That's you. That's your giving. And so I want to let you know that. And so for those of you that, that are uh, in two years into the finance campaign, it was a three-year commitment, we want you to go ahead and finish that. But I know there's others of you that are like, how do I get involved outside of serving and attending? Another way we ask you to get involved is to get involved financially. And I'll just tell you, um, we are stepping out on our own as our own 501c3, Kensington Church Orlando. That is actually, we're pulling the trigger on that in early April, so just a few weeks. And uh, one of the things that we really need to do is, I'm uh, just going to be honest with you, we need to increase our are giving on a regular basis to handle some of the new costs of being on our own. And so if you want to jump in, you can be a part of that because we are committed in this area to not being just the church where everybody comes to because that's the mission. We're, we're, it, we're, our, our commitment is we want you to, yes, invite people after you have served them, built relationship and invited them because we want to rev everyone up to go out and be the church again. And so I want to give you that, that feedback and just say, hey, God is using you, and I can't wait to see what happens in June. And then in August, we move into that new building that's being built over there that, that you know, the beautiful part is we're not paying for when we're prep is, but we get to use it. Um, but I want to pray for us before we sing a couple of songs because I really believe that the success of our church is not in how many people show up there. It's how many people here are actually going out there and being the church. Because I believe if you and I are willing to go out there and be the church, we won't be able to contain the amount of people that will want to be here. And I believe that's God's heart too. Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you for today. Thank you for um, what you're doing among us. Thank you for the, the church that you have commissioned to go out and be your hands and feet. Lord, may we be a powerful church, a church that is full of people that are constantly facing outward and being inclusive to the world that doesn't feel like they belong here, that doesn't feel like they're good enough to be here. God, may we just love them with your love. 
God, for those of us in here that are followers of yours, would you give us and just stoke that mission in our hearts? Lord, for those in the room that aren't followers of you right now, God, would you please just open their eyes to see you for who you are, that you were willing to send your son here to die for them and redeem them and give them an eternity with you, Lord. That's the, that's the gospel. Lord, I pray for your power to course through our veins as we are the church everywhere we go. And Lord, when people ask about you, may we always be prepared to give an answer for the faith that we have, the reason that we have hope, and that is you and your heart.